Um, then you have some interspersing of Tony Evans, then Jim Daly, who's the president of Folks on the Family Speaks, and he had a very traumatic childhood, actually. What do you mean? Jim Daly's in the movie? Yeah, he's interviewed, like, for most of it. Interviewed? Yeah, it's a documentary. It's a documentary? <laughs> I thought I said that word no. earlier. It's a documentary. <laughs> Welcome to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. We analyze evangelical media, mostly from the 80s and 90s. This season is the seventh season, and it's called I Went to the Movies Without You. Well, hi, friends. This is, you know, your old pal, DL. That was your intro? Uh, Well, now you're supposed to say, and Crispin. (laughs) And Crispin. And hey, we're on our, what, season six? Season seven. Oh, welcome to season seven. Uh, we hate to tell you this. It's not about Christian romance. That is probably coming when I am not in a depressive state. But Crispin, we're kind of excited about what season seven is going to be. It's going to be about Christian movies. Yeah. We told you we weren't going to do a season for a while. And then we came up with an easy idea. Well, it's sort of easy. So here's the, here's the deal. This is what season seven is going to look like. We're going to be watching like a recent spate of Christian movies coming out in theaters. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. We are parents with two kids at home and busy lives and COVID is raging. So the conceit is a little bit similar to those podcasts. Like you're wrong about where one person researches a thing and then tells the other person about it and the other person responds. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take turns going to the theater or somehow watching these newish Christian movies and uh, take turns telling the other person about it. Yeah. We're calling it. I went to the movies without you. Oh, yeah. Right? We had a real name and everything. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that's what we're going to do. I don't know if we want to like share all the movies right now we are going to be seeing. And then if you're a Patreon, which if you are, we really appreciate you. You know, y'all can vote on some older Christian movies you can force us to watch and talk about for our Patreon-only episodes. Because we don't watch a lot of like explicitly Christian movies, even though we have many, many people in our lives, family members, <clears throat> cough, cough. Um, my mom and dad who are always trying to pressure us to watch Christian movies. Like I've never seen, um, fireproof, which I guess is like, you know, the biggest or something most famous Uh recent Christian movie. Right. I think so. It's one of, um, yeah, it's like raise your hand. If you have boomer parents that are always like, Oh, so I saw this movie lately. You might like it. You might like it. The prayer closet or whatever. Uh War room. Well, there we go. (laughs) They could have called it the prayer closet. Right. Yeah, so I so speaking of, we thus far have just been mentioning movies by the Kendrick brothers. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. We mentioned two movies. Uh-huh, yes. They did both of those? Yes. Uh-huh. War Room and Fireproof. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh Are so, there any relation to Kendrick Lamar? I know, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. So, yeah, I went to see this movie called Show Me the Father, which is by the Kendrick Brothers. Sort of. It's directed by someone else, but everything says that it, it was produced by them. But and they, I, I never heard of this movie, and you're like, I'm going to it. And I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. And the reason being because Jim Daly, the president of Focus on the Family, sent me an email in my inbox saying, this is the weekend to go see Show Me the Father. Which I waited a couple of weekends. He sent an email to your inbox? Yeah, because I'm on the Focus on the Family 
So that's how you found out about this movie. Because uh-huh, yeah. Focus on the Family was sort of like... Promoting it. Go see this movie so that it'll make money. Or mm-hmm. is that the thing? No, it's more just like, this will help you understand how God is our father in heaven. And it will be a healing movie for you. And I feel like we've talked about this in years past. But like, isn't Focus on the Family sort of famous for how extensive their email lists are? Yes. Uh-huh. So it goes out to a lot of people. Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. okay. So it wasn't just personally... From Jim Daly to me, just to clarify, we're not on those kind of terms. That makes me feel worried. The Delta variant is raging, and you were like, I'm going to go see a movie in the theater. And I was like, No. Like, like, uh, in my mind, there's like a Venn diagram overlap of like anti maskers with people who rush to see um, a a Christian movie that focused on the family tells them to see about the father wounds. You know, that that overlap mm-hmm. is complete. So I was like, no, you can't go and right. get the COVID. And I said, don't worry, I'll take care of myself. I checked the seats online and there are no seats that are bought yet. And when I got there <laughs> to the box office, the young man said, which seats would you like to reserve? Because it was one of those theaters where you reserve your seats. He said, they are all open. So you were the only person. I was the only person. And I expected maybe... To have a couple of stragglers or something or, you know, obviously like older people that don't buy things on their phone, don't buy tickets on their phone. They would just show up and then sit right next to you probably. Yeah. But I literally was the only person in the movie theater. Well, you know, that just goes to show that Focus on the Family is right. That Portland is one of the least churched cities, right? In the nation. So true. I mean, it was the 12 o'clock showing you would think like... Oh, and you went on a Sunday. I did. But it... I mean, that could go either way. That could be like, well, I'm not going because of church, but it, it could be like, let's go to this movie after church. Yeah, 12 will be cutting it close. So you were smart about it. Mm-hmm. You didn't catch the COVID. No. Because no. I don't think it would really be a worthwhile trade-off. I just sat there and took the copious movie. notes on my phone because no one else was there. So I'm like, this is this Oh is my great. gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, what, so what is this movie about? Okay, so uh, if you've joined us in the past... Uh, you know that we used to review Adventures in Odyssey episodes, and we would do a 30-second recap. Oh! And so I thought do it? we should bring back the 30-second recap. Okay, let's bring it back. Okay. So, basically, there's this quick intro about the importance of, of uh, fathers, and then there's this guy, Sherman Smith, who's a football player, a Christian. He's a man of God. He loves the men that he coaches. Um, he mentors this young man named Delant. Uh, Deland McCallow. Um, then you have some interspersing of Tony Evans. Then Jim Daly, who's the president of Folks on the Family Speaks, and he had a very traumatic childhood, actually. What do you mean? Jim Daly's in the movie? Yeah, he's interviewed, like, for most of it. Interviewed? Yeah, it's a documentary. It's a documentary? <laughs> I thought I said that word no. earlier. It's a documentary. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it's mostly just, like, interviewing these people. Um and then it talks about one of the Kendrick brothers. So the Kendrick brothers produced it, but they also are the main people that are interviewed. Them, Jim Daly, and then this football coach as well. Um, and so you have one of the Kendrick brothers talks about how they adopted a girl from China. And the day that God told him they should adopt a girl from China uh, was the day that she was born, which is cool. Um, and then uh, some Bible verses about how men are the leader and the provider and the protector with, you know, a lot of things on the screen. Okay. Then a story about how the Kendrick brother's dad um, developed MS and was suicidal. And then God was like, I love you. And then he wasn't suicidal anymore, which is a cool story. Um, 
And then it goes back to Sherman and DeLand, who Sherman was the coach for this guy, DeLand. Okay. DeLand uh, was put up for adoption when he was young. He was adopted by a black woman in his community. They're both black, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to talk about. Um, And uh, he got in contact with his bio mom. And she was like, oh, actually, I never told the guy that got me pregnant because I was 16. But his name was Sherman Smith, who's the guy that's been coaching him this whole year. Oh, my gosh. Um, and they like had this long ongoing relationship. So it's like actually really sweet and you're really happy. Um, and then lastly, you have the Kendrick's dad, the guy with MS mm-hmm. and they talk about how at their weddings, he started pronouncing blessings over them. And there was this long segment about how he would pronounce these like 10 minute blessings over them at each of their weddings. The end. So I'm, I'm still struggling to wrap my mind around this. That is documentary. Yes. Cause I feel like that changes it a bit. Uh huh. In, in some ways, like, my hackles go down a okay. little bit because yeah. I think Christian, like, fictional movies are just horrible. Right, yeah. And if I'm thinking about a Christian movie about fathers, I'm just like, oh, no. Uh-huh. But it's just a documentary. I don't know. Yeah. It, in a lot of ways, it wasn't bad, but it also was, like, the way that you tell a documentary, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what do you say? What do you don't say? Like they're like the the some of the stories I really appreciated, and then it's like couched in this very patriarchal framework that I think is really damaging. Oh, I see. Yes, you yes, know yes. what I mean. Uh-huh. So yeah, so that's kind of an overview. So and I that guess that was like, longer than thirty seconds. <laughs> and I just I guess a question I have is like, are the Kendrick brothers these white Christian dudes who make Christian movies like? Uh-huh. Are they super famous and really well known? And that's why like people would go see this to be like, what drives the Kendrick brothers? And I, they're saying fa- like f- this father heart of God is what drives them. Is like that what this is about? It's that wasn't qu- quite clear, but it was just like, here's how important father like here's a movie about how fathers are important, right? And here's this a is a documentary. Yes, a documentary about how fathers are important. Okay. And that is supposed to be really countercultural. Oh. Okay. So I think that's why, like Jim Daly. Yeah, yeah, which is a fascinating concept. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's at least how Jim Daly made it sound in his email. We in have his to go. Email. We have to go, like, you know, it's funny. He's like, go see this documentary, but like half of it's them interviewing him. Wow. So. Did you know he was going to be in it from the email? I did know that he was going to be in it. I did not know he was going to be in it that much. Okay. And I think that what is really, yeah, like just, that's the overview, but you just kind of see throughout it the ways that uh, the ideology, right, focus on the family type ideology is just upheld throughout it, which I think is really problematic. And especially because... You have, like, people's stories and these, like, really important stories that then get put alongside this ideology. What do you, you, know? what do you mean when you say ideology? So, like, um, so Focus on the Family has been really anti-LGBTQ rights uh-huh. because they say fathers are important. So if you have two moms... Then, but what if you have two dads? You have double the blessings? <laughs> yes, I think so. I mean, because they they took research. Remember, we talked about this before, where they took research and said, um, research shows mm-hmm. that uh, kids that have a mom and a dad, uh, you know, do better in life. And the person that put together that research called them out, and specifically, they were like, 
that was not the point of the study. The point of the study is if you have two parents in a home. Right. Right. So they've been known for twisting things. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And, you know, I wanted to mention that there like there are there are a few black athletes in this that tell their stories. Mm-hmm. Um and I did some research, and War Room is one of the Kendrick Brothers movies as well. It's okay. an actual movie, not a documentary. And it's mostly black characters. Right. And CBS was, like, you know, one of the production houses or whatever. And they were like, we're really hesitant about three white men telling the story of Wait, with the black Kendricks characters. are three people? Yes. There's, there's three brothers? Uh-huh, three brothers. Shannon, Alex, and... The other one. Yeah, the other one. I thought it was two. Yeah. Shannon is like not as uh, not as involved. He's just Shannon. You right, know? exactly. He's just being Shannon. Right. I love that his name is Shannon. Shannon Kendrick. <laughs> yeah. Who makes Christian films. Right. Who's white. This is just wild to me. <laughs> exactly. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah. And so, anyway, CBS was like, we don't think it's a good idea to necessarily for the three white men to be making a movie about black people's lives, but yet they persisted with their vision because God wanted them to. Where did you hear that? In the documentary. Ah! (laughs) Wait, that was in the documentary about fathers? Oh, wait, no, no, that was in Wikipedia. Sorry, that was Wikipedia. But it was, I was like, where did I hear that? Anyway, no, that was Wikipedia. Um, Yeah, and so, like, at the start of the film... Uh, they start, Jim Daly starts listing off, right? Like 80% of um, behavior, kids with behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. Uh, kids that use drugs, go to prison, or in poverty come from fatherless homes. Now, thinking about prison, mm-hmm. right? And who is overrepresented in prison, mm-hmm. right? It's people of color. Right. And so this really fits that narrative of like right. this isn't because of systematic or systemic inequality. This is because black fathers are not present in the home. And that doesn't ex- it's not explicitly said, but that just fits in with their ideology, right? So it's interesting. So like fatherlessness is kind of attributed to like you would say the black community. Mhm. And then at least by I would say by like uh, Republicans and right, conservatives. Right. But yeah. then white people can still talk about like their struggles with their bad dads. I'm just trying to right. wrap my re- my mind right, around yeah. this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause right. I do think fatherlessness is a dog whistle uh-huh. for racism, but you know, talking about the father wound or whatever, right. That seems like not as horrible of a thing. Right. It, like, yeah, I, I, I wish more white men did think about mm-hmm. how having bad dads is traumatizing and right, what that, yeah. does that make sense yeah yeah totally because i can think of people in my like that i know or you know stories i've heard of like dads that were very like able to provide financially and weren't good dads which i think actually is part of their thing of like and, dads and, need to be present you know but like it's true yeah i'm sure outcomes are better right if people have multiple Caring parents. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, right, totally. So I think, though, that what they're not saying is, like, black men are much more likely to be put in prison for longer, right? Hence leading to fatherlessness. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Right, so they're leaving Right, there's no it- systemic engagement with all. the issue. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, so it was really... So that was obviously one thing to me that was like, yeah, here's this ideology. And Sherman Smith, who's this black coach, 
he was like, you know, my dad told me, like, don't believe what they tell you. You can be whoever you want to, you know, and I got a lot of those messages from in my community. Like, who do you think you are? Right. Which perpetuates that idea of it's not systemic racism. It's people in the black community that don't believe that they can do whatever they want. And this is like one black man's perspective. But mm-hmm. um, he also said, like, he told me, just don't listen to all that noise out there. That was, you know, my dad said, don't yeah. listen to all that noise. And at that point, they chose to put up a picture of Dr. King on the bridge at Selma. What? Yes. So that's what I mean. It's like, you can hear someone's well, story, but to like... So you think they were explicit that they were implicitly saying that Dr. King was a part of all that noise? Mm-hmm. Or Dr. King was like the dad no. saying, you don't have to listen to all that? Uh it was like, no, it was like his dad was saying, don't pay attention I to the political unrest. I have a hard time believing that. Unrest. He was like, I grew up in the 60s. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And my dad just said, like, don't listen to all the noise. What? Just, just keep. But like, that could be different ways, right? That could be like white people really trying to bad. maintain political control, right? right? That's don't what I'm listen. Saying. That's right. what I'm saying. So for. How I just. What? Yes. That's what I mean is like. There are these little ways that they're twisting this to their... um, So, yeah. But then they talk about Jim Daly. This was, like, really interesting because I've heard his name my whole life. So he's, like, the new Dr. Dobson. Right, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, he took over after Dobson. um, And he grew up... His dad was an alcoholic. His mom fled seven houses to try to get away from his dad. Um. His mom, then they ended up living with a boy, uh, um, a boyfriend who would lock his mom in her room for weeks at a time. He wouldn't see her for weeks at a time. And then when he was nine, so this was all prior to age nine, she died. And then he went to a foster care place, um, or, you know, foster family. And then his dad showed up and was like, I'm doing a bit better. You can come live with me. His dad was still drinking, but not as abusive, And then um, eventually he told his dad, like, Dad, you weren't a good dad. And he was like, you're right. I wasn't a good dad and I wasn't a good husband. And then, like, two weeks later, his dad was found, uh, like, frozen to death after drinking outside. And this is what Jim Daly said. And I want to, like, hold space that this is his story Mm -hmm. and his trauma. And I also want to look at what the implicit message is. He was like, I really regret ever telling my dad that he was what? a bad dad. He was like, that's the biggest regret of my life right no. before he died. Yeah. So what's the implicit message there is like, oh, if you have no. an abusive father, it's not okay to say, yes, you were an abusive. Like that sounded like a really good, like interaction for the dad to own it and him be able to speak his piece at 11 years old. Right. Oh my gosh. That's too much, man. And so, so it really made me sad for Jim Daly. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to have compassion for Jim Daly, but that is, that is roof. I know. I think it also speaks to focus on the family being like, we need good fathers. We need this like family structure. We need this patriarchal family structure. Mm -hmm. And like, that is a way that you can go with this. But it didn't work for him. No. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. It's true. I think that it's like, we need to uphold marriage and then we need to call men to a higher standard, but not the other way around. You know what I mean? Like, that's the idea is, like, divorce is the root of all evil. Right. And we also need we need... patriarchy. And, yeah, and we need to disciple men. But not, like, if, like, we need to disciple men, and if they can't not be abusive, then divorce is okay. You know? Like, it should go the other way around. 
Are, were there any women in no. this documentary? No. Did they interview any? Uh, oh, they did interview. Uh, they interviewed Alex Kendrick with his wife. She was mostly crying while he was talking. Okay. Um, here's the other thing, though, that I that really stood out to me is this guy who grew up adopted. Mm-hmm. They interview his adoptive mom. Who you and, said it was a black woman. Uh-huh, yeah, who's a black woman. And I thought that just went straight. Like, it was this whole focus on, like, he grew up without a dad. Like, it was so terrible. And I'm like, why aren't you highlighting that this woman took this baby in yeah. to her home and raised him? And, like, he was able to be successful in part because he, right, he actually had a consistent caregiver his yeah. whole life. And yet the narrative is, What did they like, interview her about? They just interviewed, they just said, like, you know, tell us about him growing up. Okay. So, and she was like, yeah, like, and there, there was a piece of it of, like, she was like, I was really connected to this man um, who was in prison, and I really wanted us to be able to get together, and I waited and waited for him, and then after he got out of prison, he, like, didn't talk to me anymore. So, it's really sad. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, here's this woman that, you know, was really self-sacrificial, and you're just focusing on the fact that he didn't have a dad. You know? Yeah. So like, so like, what's the what's the deal here? Are they trying to say that America is in a father mm-hmm. crisis? Yes. And they are also are saying the greatest need in every human being is the need for a father. One and two. Until you experience the love of a father in your life, you will never understand God's love. Oh no! Now I know you hate that yes. with a passion. Yes, and and I think most people that's just going to fly over their heads as to why that's really troubling and problematic. I'm just trying again. I'm trying to wrap my brain around like what's the point of this? I've heard right. about the father wound, you know, a ton. Uh-huh. Being a charismatic evangelical, um, you know, I have a pretty basic dad who I love, mm-hmm. even though there's things we deeply disagree about Mm -hmm. and all that. So, you know, um, it's not a huge deal to me, but I know that you don't love this father wound talk for two reasons. So one reason is that it is you sometimes there is some definite like toxic theology out there. Right. And so, um, that we get these messages like God is always disappointed in you. God doesn't really like you. Um, God is just waiting to punish you. Right. If you don't put your faith in Jesus, like God will delight in your eternal torment. Um, And then they're like, if you don't trust God, it's because you had a bad father. And so I think that's one piece where I don't like it is because yes, like our, our experience with our parents impact our view of God. But our theology also impacts our view of God. So mm-hmm. even like focus on the family has like, here's a father wound. And like, you know, some of the things are the impact of a father wound is feeling guilty all the time and uh, feeling like you're not enough and feeling like you're not loved as you are. And I'm like, yeah, because your theology tells us. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's my one issue. The other issue here is that it says in the film that uh, men are the mediators between heaven and earth. No. So that's what no, I they did not. Yes. That was what Tony Evans said. Oh no. So, and there is, I mean, I, I'm Wait, thinking. You need to clarify it. Most people don't do. Yeah, so, I, well, maybe not most, but. So some. yeah, Tony Evans is a black pastor, kind of mega pastor type. I don't know a lot about him. But the reason he's platformed in this documentary is obviously because he's saying what 
the filmmakers believe. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, like you know, and like, we're more critiquing the filmmakers. Right. I yeah. Just, Even like yeah. Sherman Smith. Like I love this coach. Mm-hmm. He's like I learn as much from my players as they learn from me. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like he just seems like a really solid guy. He was just like. It really threw me back, like, when I found out this guy was my son. But, like, you know, but it's really... Then you have these statistics about, like, fatherlessness Mm -hmm. that they choose to put in. Um, So, yeah, I think that's the big problem. And that's, like, very implicit here is, like, they don't interview women and they don't talk it, it... It really is... Someone on Twitter the other day was like, I think it's kind of a farce to say that evangelicals view... um men as representative of God to children and not women. I feel like so many times in my experience in in evangelicalism, there's explicit or implicit messages that men represent God in this unique way that women don't. Well, that's why, like, you saying what Tony Evans said, I'm like, well, that's more explicit than I've ever heard it, and yet it's 100% the theology mm-hmm. undergirding all of it. And, you know, this is too big of a topic for this, you know, episode, but... You know, there still needs to be a lot done around, like, why is, like, patriarchal heteronormativity so um, dangerous, you know? And it's because mm-hmm. it's in, it's inherently dangerous to anybody who doesn't fit inside that mold. And it's mm-hmm. dangerous as far as, like, damaging emotionally, spiritually, socially, economically, right? Like, mm-hmm. it impacts all those things. So if you, you know, are gay, if you do mm-hmm. come from a single family if your family is, you know, fractured by finances, poverty, incarceration, immigration, forced migration, you know, like mm-hmm. all of these things, like we want, I want families to be together and to mm-hmm. flourish, but like idealizing the patriarchal norm does more damage. Mm-hmm. And that's like the big switch, obviously, you and I have have undergone. Right. Yeah. And I think like there's there's this piece of like there there's a lot of political things that we could change to enable families to stay together i was gonna say if i made a documentary called like the father what's this documentary called again Uh, show me the father show me the father oh show me the father okay so if i did a documentary called show me the father i would make it about like the back breaking labor of capitalism how it keeps Mm -hmm. families like apart from each Mm -hmm. other and just show Mm -hmm. (laughs) right how historically the biggest thing keeping families from being together is like the amount of time they have to put into Mm -hmm. uh surviving you know Mm -hmm. financially and economically yeah like to me it's like yeah give people money give people more money Mm -hmm. have their basic needs taken care of Right. Like that's going to do more to help families flourish than any, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know right. if they put forth solutions mm-hmm. to the fatherlessness problem, Crispin. They said that we have a, we need to repent as a nation mm-hmm. and fathers need to show repent up. Repent of capitalism. Right. What would you call men to? If you made a documentary <laughs> and you, like the Kendrick brothers have this whole uh, ceremony. I have okay. We'll do research for it later if we watch one of their films. But okay. they're like, you can host a, cer- a manhood ceremony. Oh, we are going to do that. <laughs> right? And so we are a hundred percent. So what would you if you were going that. to like do some sort of religious, like you you know following Jesus as a man? Yo, <laughs> challenge accepted. 
Challenge accepted. I will create my own. Okay. Like how to be a man and follow Jesus blessing ceremony. I will definitely have some repentance in there. Definitely mm. have some lament. And basically, you know, if people are coming from, you know, it's not just Republicans, Democrats too, right? But like, I would say like, stop punishing people for being poor. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing mm-hmm. you should do as men, right? Is you need to stop <laughs> punishing yes. people for mm-hmm. being poor. Stop exploiting people, right? Stop mm-hmm. oppressing people so that you could have your second house. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I just feel like it's so tied to economics and labor and historically how, you know, white men at the top of this patriarchal system, right, have had mm-hmm. to exploit people in order for them to become more wealthy. And so, yeah, that's what, that's what my ceremony would be about. And, um, you know, we need to pass some universal health care. Mm-hmm. We need to eliminate student debt. Like, there's there's things we could do right now that would right. be very practical. We'd repent, I mean, we'd repent of exploiting people, and then we'd, like, do Jubilee, which is we right. redistribute, you know, resources. Well, here's the thing. So the Kendrick brothers, when their dad, he found out I have MS, he's like, he was in his 40s. He's like, I can't work. Mm-hmm. I can't provide for my family anymore. I can't afford the health care I need. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why he was suicidal. Because society doesn't work for people who aren't productive. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he faced the limitations of that right. by, when yeah. he was disabled. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, and I just trusted that God would take care of me and God took care of me. Which How? there are. How did I f- God take care of him? I would. Uh, I- I can't remember. See, that's I don't what know I don't understand. I don't understand why that empathy doesn't extend to like, wow, there's lots of people who have severe mm-hmm. medical bills. Like, wouldn't universal health care be good for everybody? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm so confused about, which is why this whole everybody needs a father thing seems like such a smokescreen mm-hmm. in many ways. Like, Right, yeah. I think it gets used all the time. It's like, if you have any issue in your life, it's because you didn't have a father. that was... Or you had a bad dad, which right, yeah. is interesting because like... You know, you did have a bad dad, mm-hmm. and you, you you literally bring that up never. Uh-huh. That's true. But you go to town. You wrote a whole freaking book about evangelical theology, right? Leading to you not being able to trust God, mm-hmm. not your bad dad, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really interesting. I just want to point that out exactly. because there could be people listening who are like, "But I did, I didn't have a bad dad," and right. it really does impact. Right. The way I view God. And we're not saying that that's not true at all. Right, yeah. I think for me, it was like, oh my gosh, like coming from a dysfunctional family, I would hope for a more functional family with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it just feels very similar, you're like, then there's something, then there's wrong, something wrong here. Um, and yeah, people have those, that interaction with God in a lot of different ways. I think if I were to, I'm not, I, I am not going to pretend I'm an expert on the psychology of gender. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously like this is That'd such... be so cool if you were, but you were not. No, <laughs> this is like such a, uh, heteronormative, uh, you know, stereotypical gender, you know, of course, right. This, this, this whole documentary, documentary okay. right. Um, but I think that when it comes to our gender and what what gender you know we identify with and what sort of pressure we hear, feel socially to represent that gender. So if you are a woman, if you're a girl and you know that I want to be a girl because I want to be accepted and I want to grow up to be a woman, then having a woman in your life that 
is like a role model to you, not a role model in the like moralistic sense, but like someone that's like, oh, this is what I'm shooting for, helps you organize internally where how to make sense of your gender. So I think that's why for this guy growing up without a dad, I think that is important to be like, I I identify as male. I am looking for a male in the world that I can be like, oh, this is maybe what I should do or how I should show up in the world. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying like that's, I think, why a lot of people find that important. Does that make sense? I don't know. I truly don't know. So. Seems beyond my pay grade. <laughs> And not something I've really experienced in my own life. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I know I'm different from a lot of people, and I've just been um, – I, I, I marched <laughs> to the beat of my own drum, as they say yes. in the movie People. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's a different thing for me. I just like – yeah, if we were going to subvert this movie, I'm just throwing this question on mm-hmm. you, but this would be a very good question to keep <laughs> mm-hmm. in mind throughout the series. Like – Think about how to best subvert this movie. And so the okay. thing that came to my mind, but you, uh-huh. you'd be thinking about this because okay. I know you don't like thinking on the spot. So I'm sorry. I'm throwing sorry. this out of you. Show me the father. What if you just interviewed? Yeah. Black women who are taking care of kids without a partner. Ask them, like, what do they think is going on? Mm. I mean, hmm. I, I feel like then we'd have to have talks about you know mass incarceration we'd have to talk mm-hmm. have talks about all sorts of things that would lead to more systemic mm-hmm. issues um while still being grounded in you know spirituality and mm-hmm. still talking about um the beauty of a god who in scripture is referenced as both a father and a mother right mm-hmm. um so anyway it's just thinking about how do we mm-hmm. how do we subvert these themes of dominant culture patriarchal heteronormativity i mean i'm super glad our kids have you and you're a good dad and you work extremely hard on your healing. Um, and I want to be as healthy as I can be as well for them. Um, yeah. yeah. I just want them to have lots of people who are healthy in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm like, I think that it's obvious that kids need multiple people in their life that really care deeply about them. Oh, are you going to talk about attachment? But... <laughs> By the way, you're you're the person who is literally wrote a book on attachment. Like, does it say there's like something inherently superior about being attached to a male father figure in your life? No. It talks more about moms. Mm-hmm. Right. And has been used <laughs> to oppress mothers um, when it's misunderstood. Attachment science has? Uh-huh, yeah. When it's misunderstood... It often is like, well, moms have to be around all the time, which isn't what attachment science is about. Um, So attachment science doesn't say anything about parent-child relationships? It talks about your attachment figure. Okay. So who's the person? So in a very, like, mammal way, right? Like, who did you imprint? Who has mammary glands? (laughs) (laughs) Who did you imprint on, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, but the, you know, there are obviously like there's, there's science about, um, you know, mothers and fathers, but I'm not that familiar with it. And, um, there's some research around, cause this whole thing is like fathers need to show up and show their kids, you know, a representation of God. And, um, and for one, it didn't say what that means. Right. 
which I'm like, sure. Especially since, you know, as a Christian, I'm like, you know, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So Mm -hmm. the best example we have of God is Jesus. Mm -hmm. I want to be like Jesus. I hope you are too, Crispin. (laughs) And telling our kids about it. But I take on that much more for myself, right? right? Yeah. I want to be like Jesus and want yeah. to do that. I mean, it's really interesting because... You better be. Are you trying to be like Jesus? Yes. Okay. That's my goal. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> you so... looked so offended that I'm just was... asking for the podcast to be funny. <laughs> I was... <laughs> he was like, you this look. I was trying to put together my next thought and then wait. I was like, wait a minute. What are you asking me? I'm sorry. You are. Uh, so I wasn't even listening. Uh, Jim Daly. Back to old Jim. President of Focus on the Family. We always come back to focus when we are. I've written him some stern emails, as oh you know. Uh, yeah. It's, this is an article coming out early next year, but... Uh, there have been some women that have written him emails saying like these evangelical books about marriage are just perpetuating abuse. Mm. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, I don't want to hear it, which sucks. Was very looking striking. At his, looking at his childhood. That sucks. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but Jim Daly says we, we need this. Um, we need a, a father that loves us unconditionally and once we put our faith in Jesus, then God loves us unconditionally. Well, that seems like a condition. <laughs> it does, right? So that's confusing. <laughs> and then Alex Kendrick at the end is like, if we're going to understand the Father, then we look at Jesus, which I agree with. Yeah, totally, totally. So, but it's interesting because there's even this like uh, Trinity theology that they have two different approaches to. One is... Once we put our faith in Jesus, then we have access to the Father. Mm-hmm. The other is we see the Father in Jesus. But um, but I was like, yeah, I can totally get on board with that. Yeah. I don't know if it means the same thing to you as it does to us. Maybe we will find out what it means to them if we end up watching a Kendrick Brothers movie. Which is so interesting because Jesus, right, was not married, not partnered. Mm-hmm. Hung out with 12 men. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's so fascinating. Uh-huh. It's just it's just more fun to have a more expansive theology that's not so rigid. It's like mm-hmm. every problem is because dads aren't showing up, which also seems to put a lot of pressure on dads. Mm-hmm. Like, does that sound like good news to you? No, just try harder, Crispin. Right, and I think, and I think also, I mean, one thing that I think that they do well is they critique. I think I think the Kendrick brothers in a lot of their movies actually do critique capitalism on this very small level. Okay. Of I'm I listening. Think, I'm, I I'm think intrigued. That, <laughs> I think that their um, their older generation, you know, people our grandparents' age, typically. Wait, that's how old the Kendrick brothers are? No, no, they're like our parents' age. Okay, so they're boomers. Yes, boomers. So that generation before was like the um, was was like the uh, you know the the fathers who worked sixty hours a week, and when they got home, like they went in their room and watched TV, and their the housewives waited. Don Drapers. Them. Yep, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Okay, right, and so I think they're saying like this isn't good. You you need to actually engage with your kids, <laughs> and I think that's a step. But I think then you have to ask like, what are like in a capitalistic system? What are 
you know, parents being asked or what are both parents being asked to do? Is there any energy left for kids? Um, so I don't know. That's yeah. They should read my book. <laughs> Maybe that would help them out them. a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like we could talk about the issue of father stuff for forever, but I don't want to. I also, you know, we'll have to figure out how to be actual, you know, podcasters who talk about movies, but we'll have to figure out like how much money is spent on making these movies, right? Okay, yeah. So opening opening weekend was seven hundred thousand. That's not a lot of money. No, it's not. And that's four point forty three point eight of total gross. So that means that they have not made much more since then. Okay, domestic box office uh-huh. is one point five million thus far. My nine dollars contributed to that. Oh no! Um, I was trying to figure out what the budget was. I mean, that's a whole other thing. But when uh-huh. they started making these movies, uh, they actually um, just got mostly church volunteers to act in them. To act and run everything. I mean, that's how they get you. Some of them Christians get you. Right. Lots of free labor. Okay. Well, yeah, I think I, I just really didn't want you to go to this movie, but you did it anyways, because <laughs> you're the patriarch and, you know. Right. I needed to figure out how to be a better father. Yeah, you did. I don't think that I learned anything. Oh, darn it. But we are, yeah, we're excited um, going forward. Should we drop some names yeah. of... I'm going to see The Eyes of Tammy Faye, mm-hmm. the new one, mm-hmm. not the old one. Which Danielle was obsessed with the old one. Maybe we should rewatch the old well, one before you... Well, we're going to. That's the plan I've had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to do that. Um, and then you want to go see the, the, the Christian music one. What's it called? Uh-huh. Jesus music? Jesus music. I do want to drag you along no, to that. No, I like this format. Okay. We'll think about it. There's also one that's coming out about C.S. Lewis in November. What? So it feels like we should. See, I think you should see that. one. I will. I will. I did a lot of I just more research than him. Instagram. So <gasps> and eventually, like, there's that movie Redeeming Love coming out, but that's oh. not coming out till I think it got pushed back because of pandemic stuff. Because oh, okay. I was like, oh, that would fit perfectly with the Christian romance. So, but we have a few more things. Um, yeah, I think for our patrons this month, you guys should vote on which Kendrick Brothers movie you're going to force us to watch. Uh-huh. And we will recap it for you. Um. I'm hoping for maybe Courageous, which is 10 years old, and it's about police officers or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm at that age. Great. Right. Well, there is an White immigrant White police officers character. who are Christians. There's an immigrant character who, it turns out, does the right thing in the end. <laughs> I read some plot lines. <laughs> but yeah, we're excited. We're just going to be really low-key this season. This is just sort of an interim, but we thought it would be really fun to just watch some silly movies yeah. and talk silly about but them. bad yes. bad silly and i was gonna say stupid but that that's not work. a good word to use but anyways Let's... we'll just say christian movie and leave it there and we decided to watch some christian movies and uh-huh. talk about them then we probably will have to throw in at some point this season like one of the christian movies of our youth right like the buttercream gang or there was this one about oh rigoletto did you ever watch that <laughs> Maybe okay. We it. might have to watch it a little. Uh-huh. The Christian movies are very so. It was it's nice to podcast with you again. Yeah, it's great. I know, Just nice and low key. Thanks everyone for listening. You can you know support us on Patreon, of course. We really appreciate all who do and find us on the socials and continue to be on the lookout for Christmas book 
on attachment science, mm-hmm. which has a lot to do with this episode, honestly. Yeah, right. I should have pitched it more. It's plug coming it, out. Plug it. Plug it's, the title. Say the title. Attached to God. Guys, he's so bad at promoting himself. It's true. It's called Attached to God, and it is coming out in February, <gasps> which is feels really close to me. It is around the corner for sure. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. You can pre-order it now. Mm-hmm. It's up on the sites. And it's real good. Thanks for listening to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. You can always send us an email at propheticimaginationstation at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials, and you can also join our Patreon community for as little as $1.50 a month. There, you can hear extra episodes where we talk about things like Brio Magazine and WOW 1999. Thanks for listening.